so when we, when we spoke about, well, last Sunday I, I began the series with what does it mean to be transformational? And uh, my kind of understanding or my kind of um, dealing with, 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 with this term um, is basically being engaged with the Holy Spirit of God in such a way that when we're thrown in the culture, we long to grow for our love for him and our love for the lost. And we saw it last Sunday that actually this transformational or this transformation was so clear in Peter's life where he was um, prior to meeting Jesus, how he was when he was with Jesus, and now that the Holy Spirit is in him, how he is behaving, and how, how he is reaching out in his, in his way of dealing with, with his fellow Jewish men. And he's not holding back. There is this, this great... A word in Acts chapter 4, but you see it also throughout the whole book of Acts. There is this, this, this boldness that it's really well, well resourced, not in, in human capabilities, because we said that there was not the case for him when he cut out the ear of the soldier. But this, this boldness is based and is resourced in the Spirit of God. So, what is the context of chapter 4, once again? Um, we've got Peter, who's just gone to the temple to share God's word with people. And he has met there, in chapter 3, somebody who's been begging all his life. And it's Peter and his fellow apostles there, and they, they walk by and they say, well, actually, we haven't got any money to give you, but we have something bigger and better than the money that you're after. What we have, we're going to give you. So in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this crippled, um, this totally um, outcast of the society beggar gets his walking back because Peter and John and others have taken the courage to reach out and give all that they had Jesus and because they've done that they get in trouble they get into prison then they don't find any reason why they should keep them in prison and therefore they release them with the condition that if they were to leave the prison, that they were not going to talk anymore about Jesus. And what Sam read earlier on is what Peter does is that he goes back with his concerns and orders to his brothers and sisters to, the, to, to, to that community of faith. 
We read in chapter 4, verse 21, 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And the reaction was, again, something which was not expected. Because when these guys heard that this was the orders of the people who were in charge, they do something which is totally radical. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And they quote Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you have anointed. They did what you power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Quite radical. So instead, instead of, of really going away and being fearful because actually the sanctions that they were put under were quite severe, quite life-threatening, could be really bad. They didn't lose heart. They just went back to their own people and everybody then took all these things that they've been presented with took it back to God and they said God raise the level of our faithfulness in the midst of what's going on I've got a story so today well this week is the 25th anniversary of my home church in Albania and um, it's been the country was closed up uh, the missionaries were ready to get in while the doors of the country open and um, for a lot of people for a lot of missionaries actually um, those who really were called to particular cities I, I, I must say that they were very blessed by a lot of people who, who, who joined the church and they became Christians in the early years in the midst of those there were some tough towns and cities which to this day actually it is very difficult to witness it's very difficult to be Christian they're predominantly Muslim and it's it's really really tough and I remember how in the mid 90s when the church had been five or six years old 
how we kind of started entering as a church in the statistical world of who is the church with the greatest numbers of believers. And this was kind of a sign of that this group of missionaries or that particular group are being successful. And I remember very vividly one of the missionaries who, who, who kind of uh, was part of our, well, he, not kind of, he was part of our church, how he, he got really upset about this because he was quite aware that there were other missionaries who were doing probably twice as much as the work to reach out, but their numbers were very low. We were presented with, with, a, with something as a church which decides, oh, which is the factors, which are the factors that decide success? Is it numbers or is it faithfulness? Yes, numbers are important. Yes, it's great to have people to be added to the numbers of, you know, that's what we see in the, group, in the book of Acts. But it's not only about numbers. This morning as I was finalizing things for the sermon, I was really thinking of these two particular towns who still in Albania, 25 years on, the church has remained small. But one of the things that is really sobering, and it's, it's really sobering in a good way, is that in those two towns, these churches are the biggest prayer warriors for the whole of Albania. Because they know how tough it is to witness. And I want to bring our attention to God's word here. Because actually, what these guys are praying here is not only that they become like we mentioned last Sunday, more like Jesus, but they remain faithful as they become every day and more like Jesus. Because Jesus was faithful to his call of the Father to come and finish and bring to completion the work of salvation. So these guys are not saying that you should get away or, or remove away all our troubles. No, sovereign God. This is the question that we're dealing with. Why are they against your anointed one? And yet, grant us that we carry on doing what we're doing with boldness. So, they're asking for this boldness in witness. Um, there are three kind of things that come out um, in this prayer, or this, this, this three kind of strands. Um, the first one is that they acknowledge that God is in control. That because Herod and Pontius Pilate had created this this plot against Jesus, this has not taken God by surprise. He is in control. They also recognize that in his economy, God includes opposition in order for the gospel 
the good news of Jesus to go forward. And we see that very often in the book of Acts. Move on to Acts chapter 6 and 7. What happens? Stephen is stoned, but then the gospel is spread all over. And somehow in our, in our Western thinking, somehow in our, in our understanding of the gospel, we have kind of cotton wooled it in such a way that the first struggle that we have with opposition, the first engagement that we have with people being upset or being offended, we take it so personally as if we are the saviors of the world. And what we, we're encouraged to, 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 to think and to consider by looking at this group of Christians is that actually more likely opposition, persecution, resistance is part of us sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that's how God has chosen to work out his plan of salvation with this world. So let's not hold back for that. I've got a few questions this morning as we think about this. As we think about prayer, as we think about um, the things that, 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 that we're grappling in this passage. You look at the prayers of this group of, of Christians... And you, I, I want to ask the question, what are the things that mark our corporate prayer? When we pray for Cairns, when we pray for our different ministries, when we pray for one another, when we, what are some of the things that mark our corporate prayer? And is there something that we can learn from this passage that we're saying, well, actually... Yes. Now, when we did the finding our grooves, I was intentional that we, we, we do start with, with, with God, being God's gazers. And we start with, a, with, with, and then we move on to the reality of the lost, the reality of the needy world, and then so, so forth, our opportunities and our 100 hours and, and so forth. But, but, but is our prayer, our corporate prayer, Marked by the things that we see very clearly in Acts chapter 4. And one thing that I, I, I left out intentionally is that you see very clearly in Acts chapter 4 that as they were praying like this, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, this is another characteristic of, of, of their prayers. Filled with the Spirit, in one accord with what goes on in God's heart for their current situation. And in this case, it's that they don't hold back in sharing and proclaiming God's word wherever they are. That they don't comply with the sanctions and the rules and, and, and the orders that they've received from the Sanhedrin. That they will not be put off from the threats or the imprisonment.
filled with the Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is key here and it's key for us. And the Holy Spirit should be the wellspring of our boldness. The Holy Spirit should be the wellspring of our crying out to Father God about things that, that mark us as a community, things that we've been entrusted with. Cafe, daytime ministries, preschool, youth, children, adults. What are the marks? What are the characteristics of our prayer, of our corporate prayer? We've started this movement uh, praying every Sunday evening, five till six. What is it that is marking our prayers there? And what is it that we can learn from this? But it's not only boldness in prayer, it's also in boldness in speaking the word. Now, the question that I've got is, what is it that is holding us back to speak the word boldly? I think we put too much emphasis and, and highlight a lot what the churches can do in the likes of social action. And I think there is nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that we stop at the social action. And we forget that you see over and over again that there is an element of the proclamation, of the speaking out, of the, of the saying, of the speaking out of the good news that the people that we have reached out with the social action need. So social action and the proclamation of the word goes hand in hand. It's like a scissor. It cannot work separately I've shared you the story that when we worked with child evangelism fellowship we were working with some really tough situation with children who were poor and CF is very big in preaching the gospel and my frustration that I cannot go and share the gospel, just preach the gospel to those children who have come to the Good News Club with barefoot, if I've not shown them the love of Jesus in reaching to them in their physical needs. It doesn't fit that way. Because then I'm giving a, a, a half gospel. But it's very clear here that, the, the, you know, but what is it that is holding us back to speak the word boldly? I know what it is for me. And maybe you can identify with that. I think, for me, it's fear of rejection. If I have joined company with somebody that I really want to tell him about Jesus and I've befriended that person and when that time comes and the, 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 the time is right that I hold back because I say if I say something upsetting here this will shut the door for this relationship and will never move to where I wanted it to go I remember once um, a driver of a missionary guy 
in Albania. He, he was driving for him all the time. And we're talking about Jesus. And um, this guy had been driven, well, driving for this missionary for five years. And he said to me, this missionary is very busy in talking to others about Jesus. He has never spoken to me about him. Never. I've never heard him talking to me about Jesus. What's holding us back? I think it's fear of, of, of rejection because we are too cautious to offend and to upset anybody. The other thing is that we always think that it's not the right time now for us to say something. It's not the right time. It's not, it, 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 it's not the appropriate time. And I think both these things, the fear of rejection and the timing, I think they're both come from a place where our boldness is well-springed in ourselves and not in the Spirit. So whenever I think about myself and what it costs to me, then I chicken out. But when I think about God and when I, talk, when I, when I think of what He has done and when I rely on His Spirit... I think that's the moment when I think, well, actually, it's not anymore me who's talking here. God, help me to share the good news. And that's why it's so important for us to be constantly engaging with the Holy Spirit. We see it here that actually being engaging with the Holy Spirit is not only having an effect with individuals so they become more like Jesus but the churches look more like bodies and you see it here that actually this is, this is the responsibility this is the, the shared responsibility of the whole community when we commit our ways when we commit our ministries when we commit our reaching out whether through words or action to God and we rely on him and we engage with him constantly in order to see people come to meet with Jesus in the same manner same way that we have done so here we've got a community who's being transformed because the gospel has reached out to some individuals who are not holding back they've decided that they're not going to hold back because it's so real for them and they're seeing that God is using that boldness in prayer, in proclamation to bring more people to himself and this is what I pray for us as Cairns. This is what I pray for you and for me. That our boldness, that our words, that our, our reaching out in, in action is not based on what we can do 
or not as individuals or as churches. But it's based on what God wants to do with our communities, with our cities, with our countries. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want that. I want that. That's why Paul somewhere else says to us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. We've made it, the Holy Spirit only to be only about us. But God's economy, God's generosity is much bigger than that. So let's not miss out. Let's, let's embrace this invitation for us to be filled. So, God gives us the words that we speak over our colleagues tomorrow. God gives us the words of the good news that we speak over the acquaintances that we we don't even think that are going to come this week. That God gives us the words that we speak to our postmen or postwomen. To people that we bump into and we haven't seen for a long time. To those who are struggling. God's love for the world is much bigger than what I make it to be. And therefore, when we go and give this out out there, it's not on our capacity. We have to fully, fully depend on God to give us this. And we've got it better off than these guys, because we've got the Holy Spirit. So this is my prayer for you this week, that we are all going to lie and expect God to fill us with his spirit. So we reach out in whatever God gives us our way this week in both. Because that's what it is to be transformational. When you have experienced the gospel in such a way that you cannot hold back, but you want to give it out. That's what it is, transformation. Then when you have experienced the Holy Spirit in a special way that you can't hold back, but you want to speak the words that he puts in your mouth. That's what it is, transformational. And God wants to do that with us. This morning... In the coming days. Are you up for it?